When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host Rich Ray and I'm in different surroundings today. I'm still joined by Tyro Marshall. Hello. And Samuel Lockhart. Hello. We've been uh, we've been moved. One of the other deadline day deals you might not have heard about is we've been kicked out of our usual podcast studio and we're in this... Uh, what's Box room. Strange, isn't it? I mean, Yes. It, I feel like I'm Lee Sharp trying to use the corner flag as a microphone yeah, at the that's moment. That's very similar. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's weird. We've got faux brick wallpaper on one side, a green screen behind Tyrone and Samuel there, some very interesting lights here. I'm not sure what they are. They're almost like Christmas baubles. It's a very makeshift. There's uh, a lot going on. I presume this green screen is for our uh, headshots for uh, the MEN 5 side team. Yeah, later, we walk out with our arms folded. Uh, I thought that was going to segue on something quite lately. Like, it was as makeshift as United. I was trying to get to that, but he jumped in. Yeah, with that's uh, true. Should we start again? No, it's okay. We'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep flowing. Um, but yeah, it's as makeshift as uh, you know, it's performances lately. And uh, the weekend you both had the displeasure of being at Old Trafford. God, that was boring, wasn't it? It, it was very, very soporific. Uh, I've, I've got a real hatred of Manchester United Wolves games now. I think that's seven in the last 17 months. And of course, they're going to draw each other in the Europa League. And as Ty said, they'll play each other in the, the Asian Trophy, probably in pre-season as well. Uh, the thing about it is that it was such a a bad game you thought how how could it get worse and then it did with some of the things Solskjaer said after the game and you sat there and sometimes uh, as as lazy as it sounds you think Christ is, is there any point even asking him a question because I, I, I really don't know what to make of, of that other than you know the, the Fernandez thing was all taken care of and of course he's asked certain questions and he comes out with things like you know it's how difficult it is to um to break down Wolves and then of course people seize on that and latch on that and it's well Southampton scored two against them Brighton scored two against them everybody in the Premier League has scored against them apart from Leicester I think it is who play against them next week and you would imagine they'll score at least once against them that was a caveat that was the first game of the season Leicester in the Watford uh, it, it was wasn't so. it yeah <laughs> so so there you have it and then there are things he says about how he's delighted with Anthony Marshall and I think he's probably the only one who's delighted with Anthony Marshall at the moment and unfortunately for Soska he just has this knack of being overly positive about bad results and ultimately United have ended the weekend 7th in the Premier League they're below Sheffield United again um Tottenham obviously had a very, very good result and in a far more enthralling game than the one United had on, on Saturday. And really, he, he's he's got to he's got to address that balance. I mean, he's not going to address that balance in the next two weeks. I mean, the, the winter break was not meant for him having uh, press conference tutorials, but that that was arguably more of a talking point than absolutely anything that happened in the game. Ty, I guess the caveat is that some fans say, yeah, it was Wolves at home, a point's not necessarily a bad result, but even as you were saying in the office before, Wolves could finish worse off this season than they did last season, and the mm. Premier League's there for the taking. Whether you like it or not, 
you inspired by a new signing. There's a real feel-good atmosphere before kickoff. At least United fans thinking finally they've got their man. But straight away, the, the actual performance, United never looked like they were getting going. Yes, it was positive. Bruno Fernandes having these shots, but they weren't creating anything. No, they weren't. I mean, he, he had he had five shots, but I'm not sure anything really looked like going in. I mean, obviously, when he has that many shots from distance, they will go in, and they were a couple of them were decent chances but beyond that I think you know I had 15 shots and Martial and James didn't have one between them and those are the two players probably likely to get in the best positions to to take a shot and score which kind of tells you where United's chances were, were coming from um, I mean Solskjaer as Sam was saying Solskjaer said after the game that United were doing all the, the pressing and they were but Wolves just looked happy to soak it up Wolves looked like they could have carried on playing there and defended all day feels like it could still be playing now and United wouldn't have scored and Wolves would probably eventually have taken a chance on the counter-attack and you know Wolves Wolves' threat did kind of diminish a little bit and the last 20 minutes it was United that were you felt were kind of hunting the victory but you never felt, you never felt it was coming there was no like sustained spell of pressure and it all just felt it all just felt very very comfortable for Wolves Samuel on Bruno Fernandes what did you make of his uh, his debut his long awaited debut um, encouragement definitely something different in midfield but uh, hard to tell really from that showing just how good he will be he, he was he was decent uh, I think he got the the man the match award from the, the United Twitter account um, which you know just kind of said it all really there was bound to be a, a real sense of posit- a real wave of positivity um, surrounding him actually just playing for United uh, it had been you know so long in the post and the supporters had a couple of chants about him uh, as well I think even before he had a, actually had a kick in the game it, it, I think what was positive about him was that he was always looking to find you know that forward pass trying to make something happen the, the trouble was as Solskjaer actually, I mean I kind of hooked my piece on it and I think the, the one thing that I was pleased that Solskjaer said afterwards was that it kind of corroborates it and that there was just not enough movement ahead of him um, Marshall on one occasion was told to get back to the middle because he'd gone out left which was kind of ironic in that he's someone who wanted the number nine shirt back and wants to be a centre forward and in, in recent weeks he's looked like he he's a bit too timid he doesn't want to actually come up against centre halves um, but Fernandez was was I mean he was he was fine I think that 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 nasty side to him if you like and that he's he's got you know quite a tendency to get booked he, he got another yellow card there uh, but United I think need a bit of needle about them because they can be pushovers at times I mean in, in Daniel James's case he he was a literal pushover again on Saturday so it's an encouraging start but you, there's certainly so much you can read into it due to I mean no Rashford no McTominay no um, no Pogba made to be seen how often those two will play alongside each other uh, so he, he did well considering the circumstances and I don't think I mean I certainly didn't see any hatchet jobs on him and it would have been pretty contrary if, if anybody actually did bother with a hatchet job as well because he did as I said he did reasonably well Ty we'll come to maybe both of you on this one but with Bruno Fernandes there you both already hinted at maybe going forward what do you think is United's best midfield selection I know we've all written the, this piece we've contributed mm. to a piece that will be on the MEN now about what we think United's you know, strongest eleven is, but Pogba, Fernandez, and then is it Fred and McTominay, or do you put the caveat that Pogba, Pogba won't play? Well, I mean, Pogba was was in the selector we used. You have to include Pogba, but the reality is, it, you know, I mean, he may not. Who knows when he's going to be fit? It's been a complete mystery for a long time now, hasn't it? And you'd have to think, well, I mean, will he ever play for United again? He's. It would be astonishing if he didn't leave in the summer. So, how often they play together, as Samuel said, is 
remains to be seen. It, it, going forward, I mean, it, it's difficult to say this season, presuming Pogba is still going to be out for a little while. It, if you take Pogba out of the equation, you'd say the best midfielders, McTominay, Fred, Fernandes, <laughs> for me. Going forward, I think you need at least one more body in there. I think you need one more, slightly more defensive midfielder. It all depends where Soscoe wants to play Fernandes. I think one of the issues on Saturday was that he played in an advanced role first half and then played in a defensive role. Which, which role do you think he's better in? I think he can play both, depending on the opposition. I think he probably looked more of a threat in the advanced role. I think it just shows United issues in midfield. I mean, what they really needed was two Bruno Fernandes to, to play yeah. either role. Um, so I think... This season, if you've got McTominay back, I think ideally you'd have McTominay and Fred sitting and Fernandes further forward. Going forward, if you can get a Madison or a Grealish this summer, I think you'd have Madison in that advanced role and you'd have Fernandes alongside Fred or McTominay at the moment or another signing in, in Fred and McTominay become squad players. Two can one. Very, very good squad players <laughs> at that. Just like that, yeah. Do you agree with that? I mean... Uh, more or less, yeah. Um, I think for, for the time being, I think he might have to play as the as the ten because they haven't got anyone anywhere near good enough to play that role. M- Matter can be from time to time, but again, as Ty said, it, it really is dependent on on the opposition. I think come the Chelsea game in uh, in two weeks' time, then you'd say play Fernandez as the ten, and it will probably be. Fred and McTominay as the as, as the two midfield not McTominay Matic as the two midfielders. Um, so it, again, it was it was diff, it was difficult to tell from that game at the weekend which position is he is best suited to. It does raise more questions about the United transfer strategy that they sign a player and within one game they've played him in two different positions. Now I know that was that was a consequence of the way the game was developing because they just weren't harming Wolves whatsoever and Solskjaer thought that they got a bit more joy playing Fernandes deeper and fair enough you, you need that tactical flexibility as well but he did say I mean you, you were there on Car- at Carrington on Friday he, he pretty much said he didn't know what his best position was that, that's that's quite disconcerting for someone who you've signed clearly to improve the first 11 and, and someone, to go straight into the team and someone that Solskjaer says they've been tracking for so long They've wanted for so long, but you've wanted a player that you don't know where, where you're going to use him. Exactly. Um, again, I, I maintain. I think part of the reason they signed Fernandez this month—sorry, not this month, last month now—was that it was part appeasement. In the you know, the fans were threatening all sorts. I mean, the walkout. I didn't really give it much much oxygen last week because it seemed a bit seemed a bit hollow anyway, and it never materialised. You would have blamed people for walking out of a game like that, but it's amazing what a signing can do. I mean, football fans. I mean, I know we get accusations of of being fickle, but football fans take it to a new level it's one or two new signings and everything's hunky-dory again um, but again it, it just raises further questions and I'm sure we'll you know, get on to the other matters as well which also raise further questions about the recruitment but I mean he, he is an upgrade on, on what they've got um, and that's even with all the mitigation of him coming from a league which is, is, is pretty barren to say the least Time one of the maybe few positives to say from the weekend was it was quite a good defensive performance mm-hmm. at times and Traore and Jimenez did cause problems for Wolves but Lindelof and Maguire's partnership looking better Wan-Bissaka was good Shaw's decent at times as well uh, what have you made of United to back for as of late? Uh, a lot better actually I wrote a piece of the Arsenal game on New Year's Day and was quite critical of them being a hundred and 50 million pound defence or whatever it was and they just didn't look they didn't look like a unit at that point at all but they have improved a lot I think recently Thor Maguire and Lindelof were really good on Saturday and that they defended really well made really good decisions but they did it in such an unfussy way that it didn't really 
catch the eye. There's a couple of times where long balls went towards Jimenez competing with Maguire and Maguire just brushed them aside, mm. chested them down, headed to a teammate and it was all just really sensible and calm defending that a lot of the time you see a defender catching the eye it's because there's been a mistake somewhere else a lot of time an eye-catching defender making a late tackle is because he's messed up somewhere else but they both just did things in a really sort of unfussy uncomplicated way um, Lindelof's interception from Jimenez in the first half and again in front of him when he, he had a really good chance from Doherty's low cross was another example of it I thought Shaw did really well against Traore and that back four you can kind of see the promise long term now I still think there's an issue with Sean and Wambasaka going forward I don't think they get enough from their fullbacks going forward at all I think that needs to, to improve there needs to be a major part of the process for those two in the summer if they're the long term fullbacks how uh, do you think um, I mean I, I this is a difficult question but do you think that's just down to the players themselves having to learn how to attack more do you think that's a tactical change that can happen or do you think maybe the wingers ahead of them need to bring them into play more I, I think I think they need to develop their games better going forward um, I mean if you Playing, if you're playing inverted wingers and there should be space to get around but it doesn't look when they both have the ball in the final third it doesn't look particularly natural to me at the moment like they've done I mean I know Wambasaka is a former winger but I think we all wonder how he ever played that position I think I could have played for that team yeah when he gets to the right final third he looks uncertain and at the same to a certain extent with Shaw and in, in this day and age fullbacks are a major major threat going forward the very best teams as we've seen with Liverpool this year, as we've seen with City in the past, with Pep's Barcelona, the best teams have threat from fullback, and you don't really feel that with United at the moment. They're good defensively, but I think they need to offer more in the final third, whether that's just through practice. You know, they're, they're both young enough to bring that side of their game on, and Wambasaka has improved gradually this season. But if they can add that, then I think there's, there's the makings of a, a good back four then. I thought the two centre-backs were, were very good. The only interesting thing that happened during that game, we'll get things were what Solskjaer was trying to convey to certain players and Shaw on one occasion was told to move further forward. But the way they go about it, the the United coaching staff, it does give the impression that they've not been coaching this all week. It's almost as if in the spur of the moment they think, right, push up now, come on, let's try this. Uh, Luke, come on, push up, you know, do do that. Um, they, nothing seems to be rehearsed whatsoever, which which is problematic. And I mean, I think going off what you said about the um, with us picking our strongest eleven when everyone's available, I've, I've still gone with Williams because I think Shaw's. I don't know if you can call it resurgence as such, but he's he's looked more comfortable as the third centre back. He still doesn't look like he's got the energy levels to be a proper fullback especially in, in in attack whereas Williams has looked a little bit more natural going forward um, as, as Ty said I mean with with Wan-Bissaka how they you know 804 right backs and they did home in on the one who really is you know quite a fair way behind when it comes to the, the attacking side of his game although he was you know he was, he was probably a little bit unlucky at the end not to get an assist with the cross for Dallow but it was almost as if United players were, were quite surprised that wan managed to get the cross in the first place Yeah you talk about how maybe one per second might have been on that 800 man list I'm sure we'll get to the striking options that must be a bumper along the list when we get to that but uh, I guess this is probably time for our, our half time teaser in the podcast uh, I'm going to ask you this question we'll bring you the answer after the break four United players have won a Premier League Player of the Month award who are they? we'll be back after this short break Hello and welcome back to the Manchester's Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. Just before the break, I left 
Ty, I try to say Ty and Samuel, but I have made a mystery third man. Uh, Ty and Samuel with the question, four current United players have won a Premier League Player of the Month award. Can you name them? Should we do one, one each again? Or? Yeah, let's All go. United. I didn't say that. <laughs> okay, see. Um, I go first. Yeah. Rashford. Correct. Marshall. Correct. Two out of two. Maguire. No. Um, crikey. I thought of this over the weekend. Did, did the independent research myself, so if there's any errors. Um, the, I'm, I'm not sure if you're meaning that he counts, but Sanchez? No. <laughs> Although, I must say, I've overlooked him. <laughs> so <laughs> so it might be fine. Do you, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Lingard. No. That would have been a hell of a month. Yeah. He's had some good months. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's had more bad ones than good ones. But... Um, not Pogba. Correct. No, I, I'm, I'm... No, correct, it's not Pogba. Oh, correct, it's not Pogba. <laughs> De Gea hasn't, has he? No, he's not, surprisingly. Eric Bailly? No. <laughs> right, just... Get, get, I, get, I give in. Well, the two, the two other players did not win them in their times at United. Uh, oh, matter. Why matter? Three out of three. Can we get the the full house? If I tell you that I made up the question on Friday night, that might give you some hints. I'll get a garlic. Oh, correct. <laughs> wow. And we will go nicely on to Odiana Garlo now. That does quite nicely. I still can't quite believe he's a Manchester United player. Uh, Fleeing for his medical this weekend. Will be confirmed maybe by the time this podcast's out. But, uh, yeah, Igarlo, what were your first reactions to that? Uh, I think it, it it got to the point where it just wasn't a surprise because this is United. Um, the fact that they went for Joshua King, I think in some ways was actually maybe more embarrassing in that it's former United Academy graduate who is Norwegian, who Solskjaer came across when he was reserve coach, who really is... is just not good enough for United should never have actually ever been considered as a striker option by United but but was um, with Agarlo it, uh, United have tried to spin it in a positive way as you would and in fairness they did get a striker in Tottenham didn't Chelsea didn't they are possibly their two main competitors for, for the top four uh, Tottenham did you know, make a, a late move for Igarlo, but he chose to join United. So um, I, I wouldn't quite say it's a coup as such. I think you'll have to wait until the end of the season to to describe it as, as a coup. But it, there's no pressure on him as well, I think, even though he's got a lot of pressure on him at the same time in that you, you're going for the FA Cup, Europa League, trying to finish in the top four. But the pressure is all on Solskjaer and on Woodward. I mean, Woodward kind of like dismissed the Chinese market a few years ago, saying that, you know, it'd be a useful market to sell players to and their United have gone raiding it for a desperate last minute loan deal he's not played since I think early December in the Chinese cup final um, and Solskjaer has has had the gall to say look we need to give him time to settle well his loan deal could literally last three months I know United said it's a six month loan technically I think it is five months but I think the Chelsea the Chelsea game where he can make his debut that's on the 17th of February the last league game of the season is the 17th of May unless United get to one of the two finals that they're looking to get to uh, it could literally be a three month loan deal and in, in a way I, I kind of like feel not, not not feel sorry for him such but some people are clearly going to make the look at what you could have had in Erling Haaland and look what you've ended up with it is a daft comparison and uh, I mean Haaland's got 
seven goals already. I, I don't think. I think Igalo will have done well if he gets five goals. Um, just that's that's the low level of expectation there, and that is on Woodward, and it's also on Solskjaer. And I think you know the, the game is up now with Woodward. This whole thing about he has nothing to do with recruitment, and uh, he just signs off the deals. And there you've got uh, Igalo's agent saying that I spoke to the top boss. That's that they were, those were his words, and the Norwegian newspaper he spoke to clarified that the top boss was was Woodward. So he's, he's still very much involved in recruitment, as we all suspect, as we suspected all along. But you you know, I think one thing United certainly do excel at um, in the post-Ferguson era is passing the buck. Ty, it's great to see though a player who's supporting that his whole life finally get the, the chance to play for the club. You know, it generally does mean that to him. But what role do you think he actually will play? At United, I've seen some fans saying, "Who needs a Haaland? We've got a Galo." I know that's tongue in cheek, but what? What? I mean, United need goals. They need someone who can actually spearhead their attack. They look so lacking a leader up front. Um, yeah. I think I I don't think he'll I think he'll start more games on the bench than games he'll start to be honest um, I think Martial will continue to be the first choice striker Agarlo can, can come off the bench for him can offer another option can perhaps play in European games and, and give him a rest but I mean the other option is you move Martial back out to the left but I think that'll be a surprise given Solskjaer has pretty much nailed his colours to the mast in in wanting Martial as his main centre forward. I think when United were looking for a forward, I think the more ideal option would have been someone who could have played all those roles because the player most in need of a rest in the front three at the moment is Daniel James. Yet, Aldino Gallo is not going to come in and play on the right wing, is he? Or the left wing particularly. He is a number nine, a centre forward. So the option is to move Martial. I don't think he'll do that. I think Igalo is an option. He's good to come in, perhaps in, in some cup games and to come off the bench for Martial, but I don't think he'll be starting every week. And you know, it, it is good that United have got, <clears throat> you know, you, you can spin it in a positive way that they've got a body in when they clearly needed some extra, you know, some extra help and attack. But I mean, the fact it's ever come to this is a bit of a... a tragedy of the modern day Manchester United really isn't it that we've summed up signing Odion Igalo on loan I mean can you ever have imagined this two or three years ago well even in his prime at Watford there were loose links with big clubs but you know this laughed off very loose these are this is a player who might have been he was great in the championship he was great in his first season and then went 12 games without a goal was banished from view in China got a new five-year contract at Watford and scored one Premier League goal the season afterwards you know what I mean? It's and he's not played in the Premier League for three years. Yeah. Went to China, didn't he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I really would love to know what the odds were at the time that uh, it was clear that Lukaku wanted out. The odds on United signing Oji Nagalo were, but the problem is, I don't think any bookmakers would would have had him anywhere near on their list because why would you? But that that's the that's that's just how awfully it reflects on United in that they, they had about 10 months it's been 10 months since they knew that Lukaku wanted out um, I think uh, us guys covering the club knew in April Lukaku said last week or whenever it was that he told Solskjaer in March so they had so much you know they had such forewarning that he wanted out and was going to go and they didn't replace him and they've signed a striker but I think they must be the only club that could sell a striker sign a striker without replacing the striker they've sold if that makes any sense because they've even said look Gallo it is short term it's it's loan there is no option to buy there and it's just a staggering 
It is staggering still. I think uh, that they have actually exceeded expectations and that they have surprised everyone by scraping the barrel a little bit more, going beyond the barrel, in fact. And, I mean, we t- they, they were talking about this cultural reset and everything, and in the end, all they've done is they've said, Ole, does Jim know anybody who might be a decent striker? He goes to his it's like agent. Looking, it's not looking for an extra body for five side, isn't it? It is. Just ring around. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. It's. I mean, you should write write it, do it. Um, it it's almost as if they went to Jim Solbacken and he said, I've got a pal who I know from um, back in the day and he helped me get Anders Lindegaard to Man United. He's got a load of Nigerian and, and Norwegian clients. That that was when I thought, you know, when the alarm bell started going off when I saw that Igalo's agent had, like, massive Norwegian connections. And there's a very good piece on, um, I think, is it Josimar football website, Norwegian football website that they did uh, a few years ago about Solbach and, um, and just, you know, questionable things uh, that go on there in terms of, um, you know, how an agent operates. And, of course, Atanike, who uh, is a Gala's agent, um, mediated on the, the Lindegaard deal um, 10 years ago. And I, I don't think he did on Mami Buram Duf, but that was a sole back and arrangement, of course. Uh, Duf played uh, under Solskjaer on the United Reserves, and I think Solskjaer kind of like part of us all that arrangement so for all this cultural reset the emphasis on youth I can I, they, they weren't going to sign a 23 year old striker in the January transfer window but the fact that it has come to this is an embarrassment and unless Igalo you know turns out to be a decent signing then they're not going to get away with this and I suspect they won't get away with this either it usually takes about a month to get a player finally signed though are you impressed they managed to do it in a day <laughs> <laughs> well I guess that's the bonus isn't it I mean they have signed him without actually having a medical so I mean let's not celebrate too wildly just yet um yeah, I mean, they needed a body and they got a body. That's about as positive as you can say for it. They got someone who has scored goals in the Premier League. Doesn't make him sound like he's dead when you say it's got a body. It's got a body, big. yeah. Did, is it, I was, I was told by someone at United that because it's a loan deal, he doesn't have to have a medical. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, I've not got the thoughts about it. Technically, you don't need a medical, but I'm pretty sure Premier League regulation is Especially when you've come from a country which yeah, it's so, has been beset by, mm. you know, pretty much a nationwide right. epidemic. Yeah, I'm, so I'm not too sure on that, but you think a 30-year-old striker like him surely needs to have a medical. Yeah, well, I, just to, what, I mean, we should have researched this before the podcast, but yeah. what are the regulations on medical? Surely I'm pretty just, sure you have to because of the underlying heart conditions and stuff that the Premier League invested in sort of promoting. And I suppose so, yeah. You think it's more... It would feel daft not to, course. just not to have one. Yeah. But that's what someone high up at United said. They said he doesn't need to have a medical if it's a loan deal, yeah. but you've, you'd think you've got to have those those checks somewhere along the line we'll wait and see we'll wait and see how he plays against Chelsea first before you start digging up his uh, injury record and stuff like that but uh, Ty as Samuel said earlier it's been a a, a big weekend again in the top four United yet again I know you put that stat on Twitter is it nine times now or eight, eight times eight or last nine times Chelsea have dropped points United have dropped points in the same game week do you think top four's done now yes um, you said it was the other week they're, they're not good enough are they I mean I know Chelsea aren't great but Chelsea will pick up enough wins at least Chelsea you know you can see some promise in Chelsea and they have these good wins they won away at Tottenham they've had some impressive results in a draw at Leicester's not a bad result for, for Chelsea so you know United just aren't good enough forget top four I'd be more focused on getting top six to be honest because they've got a real tough run of fixtures coming up Just I mean Crystal Palace are only five points behind them I would be more concerned with with 
looking at top six now and, and trying to make sure this doesn't get away from United and turn into an embarrassment to be honest The Europa League is the route to salvation yeah. for all of us so we don't have to have it next year as well um, I think Burnley was the, the final straw there in that that was just such a Board, not borderline gimme but not far off it and that you, you're coming up against a team like that at home you, you should be you know you should be winning it um, irrespective of Burnley's record at Old Trafford recently and they bottled it they, they this team this squad just do not have it in them to get to that level of even capitalising on a very erratic Chelsea team who are only fourth I thought at the start of the season that whoever finished fourth would effectively earn it by by default because there were just there were just too many teams that were in in disarray and I mean fairness to Leicester they've they've had a terrific season and um, they're going to they're going to qualify for the Champions League they're probably going to finish third as well but that point still stands with that fourth place side I mean Chelsea have been been dire for two months now I think um, just dropping points left right and centre and Nobody can. Nobody's got it in them to to catch them. I, I, I'm not convinced Tottenham will either. I know Tottenham had a terrific result against City, but that was a very simple game. In that, as soon as the red card happened, City lost their way. Tottenham did very well to seize on their frailties and and they won the game. But I still wouldn't be confident of Tottenham, you know, ca- catching up Chelsea and overtaking them. Perhaps it's all down to Sheffield United. We should see. <laughs> Sheffield United. Well, maybe Odin Nagala might have a few things to say about this. Uh, Ty, where do you think United actually will finish this season? Um, sixth or seventh. Who, who do you have ahead of them then? Do you, do you, do you think Tottenham, Sheffield United, do you think Wolves? Uh, top four, Tottenham, definitely. Um, and then... Um, I mean, you've got to think Sheffield United are going to fall away slightly at some point. Wolves maybe but they've got the Europa League coming up as well they've already played a lot of games perhaps one of those two but then the chasing pack are beginning to close in on United as well Yeah, it's just I mean those teams are so inconsistent that it really is difficult to call and we were talking this morning how tight it is in that sort of mid-table area I mean United built up a bit of a gap in fifth not so long ago that's obviously been eradicated now by the fact they're seventh and like I say I think Crystal Palace are 13th, 14th, something like that, and are only five points behind. So, you know, there really is not not much in it. And with that, with fixture list United have got coming up, it, it could be that they enter, you know, they enter the last 10 games of the season down in eighth or ninth, needing to make up ground. It's not not inconceivable that that is the case. Although with this United, they could go and win at Chelsea in two weeks, and we're talking about top four again and wondering if there's some faint hope of a, a miracle. I'll get the questions ready. Uh, Samuel? Winter break now though for United. Well, we call it the winter break. It's February. It's quite actually quite a nice day in Manchester. It's about nine degrees and it's grey, so that tells you all about that. But do you think it's come at a good time for United? They look absolutely knackered, don't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, whatever happened to this grand plan of let's get them fitter, let's make them run more, let's get them playing out from the back, pressing. That just went all to pot very, very quickly uh, with the the injuries in March. Sorry, not March. Don't know what I was talking about. March. I think that was that was when Sol- that was the month Solskjaer peaked. Um, but in August, Shaw and um, Marshall obviously went down with muscle injuries in, in the Palace game, third game of the season, and they've just not had the what what whatever is there 
first choice eleven, it's not really been available since those those first two or three games of the season. And you have to raise questions about that. I mean, they didn't replenish the squad properly enough in the summer, which is obviously a symptom of some of these injuries that um, that they've had. Uh, certain players have been overplayed and have played more than they expected, like Daniel James. But then you've got questionable decisions made by the coaching staff and the medical staff. Scott McTominay does his knee in I think it's fair to say in the second or third minute against Newcastle and he's not brought off for 40 odd minutes later um, and he's he's out until it's looking like late February now because Solskjaer said that uh, he won't be in the training camp in, in Marbella it's I think we all think it's Marbella for some reason the club won't say um, as if it's a state secret but he's not going to be in Marbella Pogba isn't either which again is another interesting addition to his injury time frame in that I think on the 15th he was struck downhill plays on the 22nd plays on the 26th come the 28th at Burnley he's not right to play uh, but Solskjaer says he should go to Arsenal come th- New Year's Eve he doesn't travel to Arsenal New Year's Day Solskjaer says this is very long winded but it, there is a point to it on New Year's Day Solskjaer says he's out for three or four weeks um, that that time has passed he by the sound of things he's not going to play against Chelsea in two weeks so it'll have been around about six weeks um, you know Solskjaer does really help himself with his fibs frankly I mean there's a there's a better word to use but the amount of times he is not transparent with team news injury news um, transfer news even I mean the stuff he was saying about Rojo he, you know he expected him to stay he was 99% sure players would stay well it, it's got to the point now where he does not he, there, there are times where you think does this guy actually know what he's talking about or is he just is it is it just educated guesswork I mean when I asked him about Manu Matic's contract situation last week he didn't seem to realise that you know about having a conversation they have talks well, you, you don't need to you just just trigger the one year option and you've got him until 2021 it's always play football manager exactly yeah, yeah. exactly doctor, so, so um, it, he doesn't help himself with some of the things he says and obviously they have got a, a media consultant on board now and uh, I know I joked about him probably not taking time to finesse his press conference delivery but I think he really needs to prepare more for them but yeah, I know it's maybe not outcomes, but even when we were when when I was working at Wrexham in the non-league, when Sam when when we had a manager came in, he hired a media consultant to come in and, and review his press conferences at non-league level, just yeah. just to give him guidance. And yeah. like you said, Solskjaer, things might not be going his way, but he's certainly not helping himself with what he's saying, is he? No, no, not at all. Uh, and and as I said, you have to. It's got to the point now where I might as well put when I'm doing my write-ups and lines from press conference where rather than Solskjaer said it's Solskjaer claimed because yeah. it's more often than not it, it is a claim it's it, it really has it has gone too far with that I think if you were with Ferguson obviously he did he just did downright lie about a lot of things but he had the clout to get away with it uh, Solskjaer doesn't and contrast that with what Mourinho said last week when he tells journalists there he says I cannot lie I mean he can but he doesn't want to and he preferred to play at that way and I think that is however antagonistic it might be at one point or another I think that's just the better way to go about it because he is I think the football is antagonising fans enough as it is at the moment but then he comes out and says what he says in press conferences and one mate who texted me um, last night he said that he, he just deliberately tries to avoid what Solskjaer says after matches now because it just does his head in it's almost the opposite isn't it I mean, like it's on, when fr- on Friday when he said won't be signing anyone and yeah. James Garner won't be living on low and it's like James Garner's leaving on low and then who are they signing? Well, as soon as he said that about we're not signed, I don't think we'll sign anyone. I thought they're going to sign a striker. (laughs) Ty? 
this mid this mid season break. We've got two weeks now until United mm. do travel to face Chelsea. What do you think United need to take from these two weeks off? Um, I mean, they need they need a rest and they need players to to get back to fitness. Um, I mean, Solskjaer was making a big point of how tired they looked on. Saturday which was probably fair enough but Wolves have played a lot more games this season Wolves have been slogging it since July in the Europa League getting through the qualifiers and they didn't look anywhere near as tired mm. Solskjaer made a big point last season it was two days after the PSG game and that was the most they'd, they'd run under him and he made a big point of how his team were always going to be the fittest in the league well they're not they're nowhere near it they're nowhere near being the fittest in the league and yes there's been injuries but they don't they don't have the same energy they don't press with the same energy as, as other teams and you know, it's a non-negotiable for him being the fittest team in the league. But they don't—they don't look like the fittest team in the league, and that's not going to change at the moment. Tried to change it last year with that Dubai training camp, and I think all we saw was that the players were completely exhausted by April and May. And it's going to be a summer job, I think, to get them up to those fitness levels required. But you look at the intensity of the way some teams press, like City, Liverpool, a steamroller in teams still this season, and United are miles off being able to play at that intensity. So. I mean, that's not going to change in, in this camp. I think it's, it is about just resting and getting some fresh legs and some injuries back. But long term, I think the fitness is still not where Solskjaer would want it to be. Mm, well, at least it's a two-week break from having to watch United play for all of us. It's a, a treat. Uh, Ty, Samuel, thank you very much thank for you. joining us thank this you. week on the Manchester is Red podcast. We will be back again next week. Who knows what we're going to talk about, but we'll be here. <laughs> Please do leave a like and subscribe and we'll see you again next time.